Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, y'all, I got a beach story. All this snow made me think of the beach. <laughs> made me think of waves and bathing suits and sand. It's wonderful. Several years ago, I was at the beach with Callie and her family. This has probably been six, seven, eight, nine years ago now. It's been a while. Um, and when they go to the beach, when her family goes to the beach, like they go to the beach, like that's what all they do is go to the beach. Um, they, they're out on the beach from 10 o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock in the evening. They don't go back up to the room. Um, they take lunch with them. They're on the beach. That's what they do. And that's fine. I'm good with that for about, I don't know, 30 minutes. And then I've got to go do something, right? Like sitting in a chair all day, just looking is kind of, like, come on, let's go do something. Um, so I got to get up and move. I can't just sit still. Um, but several years ago, while we were sitting out on the beach, I noticed there was two young ladies, two teenage girls, um, down right in front of where the wave stopped, playing with a squirt bottle. They had a, uh, you know, like a squirt bottle, right, filled with water, and they were squirting it at each other. They were shooting them like guns at each other. They were trying to dodge the water from hitting them for some reason. You're at the beach. You're going to get wet, right? Um, for whatever reason, they were out there having the time of their life with a squirt bottle. And I'm sitting there in my chair, probably as red as a tomato, thinking, what are these girls doing? They're sitting here playing with a squirt bottle of water when they have the entire ocean to play in right behind them. Like, why are they so satisfied and so happy playing with a squirt bottle when you're at the beach and the Atlantic Ocean is right there. Now, listen, there's sharks in there, right? Like, I get it. I don't go out too deep myself. Um, and the more I thought about this, I thought about them girls for a couple of days were thinking like squirt bottles at the beach. Over the next couple of weeks, I believe the Lord used those two young ladies to teach me something about himself and what it was is this. I believe there's lots of times in my life, I don't want to speak for you, my, if I had to hunt, if I had a hunch, you know, you, I believe you've probably been in the same situation. But I know there's been times in my life where I've been really excited with my relationship with the Lord. I'm really pumped up about things God's doing in my life. Um, I've got a squirt bottle size relationship with the Lord when he's got the Atlantic Ocean right there waiting for me. And I don't even know it. Do you ever have times in your life where you kind of feel like your, your relationship with God is made up of a squirt bottle with water, when in reality, God's got the whole Atlantic Ocean behind you? Do you ever have times in your life where you feel like your relationship with the Lord is just a little squirt bottle, but you know the whole Atlantic Ocean worth of God is behind you? Do you ever have times in your life where you feel like, man, you thought that your relationship with the Lord would be the whole Atlantic Ocean, but you find yourself just with a little squirt bottle 
hanging out, having a good time, squirting water at your friend. Um, I believe the reason that happens, I believe the reason that happens, the reason that we sometimes feel like, like we're missing out on something. Sometimes we feel like God's got all this vastness. God's got all this goodness. God's got the entire Atlantic Ocean playing for me, but I find myself only with a little squirt bottle squirting my friend in the face with water and the whole ocean is there. I believe the Lord spoke to me that time and said, the reason that is, the reason you're going through that, the reason you're facing that, the reason you have these feelings is because you're stuck. I have all of this. I have all of this goodness. I have all of this greatness behind you. I have everything that you need in your life. I have an Atlantic Ocean worth of goodness to share with you. But you're over here playing with a squirt bottle because your faith is not growing. I have the Atlantic Ocean, but you don't know it. Have you ever been there this morning? Ever had a time in your life where you thought, I thought it would be different? I thought I'm supposed to have some like power in my life. I thought I'm supposed to have some like godly power living in me like it's not there. I thought living with Jesus would be better than what it is. I thought living with the Lord would be greater than what it is. I thought I wouldn't have those struggles. I thought I wouldn't have those troubles. Now, a couple of those reasons, one reason why we have those things is because our expectations are wrong, right? If you go into a relationship with the Lord thinking you're not going to have any troubles, <laughs> Well, you got another thing coming. Find me somebody in Scripture who's living with the Lord who did not have troubles. Right? Think of Jesus himself. I think Jesus did a pretty good job living with the Father. <laughs> I think he did a pretty good job listening to the Father. I think he did a pretty good job in following the Father's plans and will for his life. And the Word says he had no place to call home. He had no place to lay his head. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was nailed to a cross, and he died a sinner's death. So to believe that, man, I, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I ain't going to have no struggles no more. Lie. Lie. What I want to spend a few minutes talking about this morning and we talked about two weeks ago, we, we, I told you guys we're going to do several weeks worth, a couple months worth of growing our faith. How we can go from point A to point B. How we can go from where we're at, make a shift so our faith can grow, so that we can tap into everything that God has planned for us. So that we can tap into all that goodness and the full Atlantic Ocean of what God has planned for us. Two weeks ago, we talked about making a shift from a, uh, a me-first lifestyle to a you-first lifestyle. We talked, about, um, we talked about selfishness and living a life of sharing, living a life of giving. So today we're going to talk about another shift. And the shift we want to talk about today to help us grow in our faith, to help us see the vastness and the goodness and the more that God has for us today is we want to make the shift from um, living a duty lifestyle to living a devotion lifestyle. Um, living a duty lifestyle to living a devotion lifestyle. Or as Jesus calls it, and we'll, talk, we'll see this here in a minute in a parable, living like a slave to living like a child. Living like a slave to living like a child. When we talk about making this shift, what we're talking about is our identity in Christ. If you see yourself as a slave to the world today, you will never be a child of God today. 
We are talking about the way we view ourselves. You realize today that your identity in Christ does not come from anything that you do for Christ, right? Does that make sense? Somebody tell me no so I can explain it. Somebody say no. Did I hear it? I heard it. Thank you. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. The world will tell you that you are what you do, right? The world will tell you that you are what you do. The way you live your life determines who you are. You do good things, you're a good person, right? You do bad things, you're a bad person. Wrong, 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 wrong. Scripturally speaking, biblically speaking, we are not what we do, however, the way Christian identity works is we are who we are because of what's been done on the inside of us from Christ, and that determines what we do. So I am not who I am because of what I do, but I do what I do because of who I am. Does that make sense? Anybody have any hard-to-love people in your life? Talk to me. Anybody have any hard-to-love people? Yes. Don't look around. Don't side-eye somebody. Me loving hard to love people does not make me a Christian. Me loving hard to love people does not make me a believer or a disciple or a follower of Jesus. However, however, when I am a believer in Jesus on the inside, then because of that and only because of that can I love the hard to love people. Because I am a lover of people because of what God has done for me on the inside. Our identity is found on what's been done on the inside for us, not what we do. We do what we do because of what has been done on the inside for us, not the other way way around. When we're talking about our identity, it's so important that you know who you are in Christ. Because the enemy, Satan, will attack your identity. He will attack who you are in Christ because once you know who you are in Christ, that will lead to a Christ-like lifestyle because of what's been done on the inside of you. You follow. Everybody, everybody with me? What's been done here leads to good works out here. Faith and good works work together, James says. What's been done on the inside leads to a lifestyle on the outside, and the enemy does not want that for you. He doesn't want that for the people around you. He does not want you living a Christ-like lifestyle today. So what does he do? He attacks who you are on the inside. Because he knows that if he can attack your identity, he knows that if he can attack who you are on the inside, then your outside's got no chance of being Christ-like because your outside starts on the inside. So the enemy will tell you things like, you're terrible. The enemy will tell you things like, you're the worst sinner I've ever seen in my life. The enemy will tell you things like, remember, remember five years ago? Remember that time you lost your cool? Remember that time you yelled at your wife? Remember that time you yelled at your kids? terrible person you are. When scripture says that God has forgiven our sins, 
God has removed us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. The enemy will attack your identity in the way you see yourself. The enemy will attack your identity with low self-esteem. The enemy will attack your identity in, in, in a bad body image, in a low, low self-esteem, low self-view, low self-worth of yourself. The enemy will say, look at you. You think you something? Look at you. You don't look as good as that person over there. Look at you. When Scripture tells us that our bodies are a temple, when Scripture tells us that we have been created in God's image, if you do not know who you are in Christ today, that will be the first place that the enemy will look to attack you because once he attacks you on the inside, guess what? The outside will follow. So what I want to share with you today, take a few minutes and simply share with you about your identity. And once you know your identity, once you know who you are in Christ, once you see yourself as a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, once you know who you are on the inside, the outside will follow. The outside will come along because what starts out on the inside comes out on the outside. Do you need an example of that? I got one. It's in the scriptures, Matthew 12, uh, verse 34. Jesus says this, out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. You ever wonder why you say the things you say? Because of what's on the inside. Does that make sense? Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. You don't ever lose, have a loose word. Everything that you say comes from somewhere. Jesus says it comes from the overflow of the heart. Whatever is in here comes out here. And so I want to encourage you today and I want to challenge you today to see yourself as a son of God, as a daughter of God in here. And then from that, from that knowledge, from that faith, from that acceptance of being a son or daughter of God, a Christ-like lifestyle will follow. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, we'll be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at our identity in there this morning. Uh, in Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables back to back to back. All three of them, somebody, uh, somebody was lost or something was lost and failed. The first one is a story um, about, um, about a shepherd that has 100 sheep. And of those 100 sheep, one of them went astray. You guys know this story, correct? One street sheep went astray, so the shepherd left the 99, went and found the one sheep. They had a big party. The second story was about a, a lady who lost a coin. She had 10 coins. She lost one. She had nine. She looked all over her house, found the one coin. She had a party. And then you got to the third story, and it is a story that may be one of the most popular stories in all of Scripture. It has been said it is the most famous short story in the history of the world, and that is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. You had a man with two sons sons. The youngest son comes to the dad, said, dad, I want my money. I want my inheritance. I want everything you're going to give me when you die, but I don't want to wait till then. I want it now. So the dad gave him his inheritance. The Bible says he left, went to a far off country, said he blew his money in wild living. Anybody ever wondered what wild living was in scripture times? I've often wondered because I know what wild living is today, but what was wild living like then? Like you spend all your money on like a pack of goats or something, like I don't know, like um, maybe instead of going to like 
like Las Vegas and spending all your money gambling, maybe you go to like a, a sheep barn and you spend all your money on sheeps that turn out to be bad sheeps or something. I have no idea. But he's lost all his money on wild living, right? He needed a job. He got a job working in a pig pen, taking care of pigs. There was a famine that came in the land. He had no money, had no food. The Bible says he was tempted to, um, to eat the pig slop, to eat the, the food that the pigs had. And that is where we're going to pick up our story in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 17 says this, when he came to his senses, this is the younger son, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So you see the, you see the conflict there. He's no longer worthy to be called the father's son, but he wants to become a father, one of his father's servants. You see how that is serving God, serving the father out of duty, like a hired servant, and out of devotion like the son. Keep reading. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He ran to who? His son or his hired servant? His son. Keep reading. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your what? Son, verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What you see there is the story of not only a prodigal son, but of a father who let the son come back home. And I want to encourage you today with three quick things. If you see your identity, if you view yourself as a son or a daughter of God, you'll know these three things. Number one is you'll know that the father loves you. The father loves you. Can you see the love in the father? The Bible says, while the son was still a long ways off, dad was looking for him. Dad was searching. Dad was hoping. Dad was still loving the son. He saw him coming back home while he was still a long ways off. Would it surprise you today to know that even while you live a life away from God, while you live a life in a far off country, while you live a life far away from the Father, God in heaven loves you. That's the most basic truth of Christianity. That's the most basic, simplistic truth of Scripture is God loves you no matter what. I'm not sure y'all understand that because I got no reaction whatsoever. Like this is the best news you've ever heard in your life. 
This is better than any game that may be won. This is better than any paycheck that may be cashed. This is better than any person coming into or out of your life. The fact that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that sustains life today is head over heels, madly, passionately in love with you. No matter how far you are away, no matter how bad you are, no matter how bad you think you have been, no matter how bad you will be in the future, God in heaven simply, <coughs> excuse me, loves you. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you more. There's no amount of work that you can do to earn God's love for you even more. Retrospectively, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. There's no distance you can put in between the relationship to make God say, well, Carter did it this time. I'm done with Carter. No, when Carter does it this time, dad's still looking for you. Dad is still concerned. Dad's still loving. Dad's still waiting. Dad's still concerned about you. No matter how far off you are, no matter how long you've been away, Dad's looking. Dad's searching for you. Dad's waiting for you to come back home because he loves you. Jesus says this in John chapter 6. When he says he's the bread of life and talk about people coming to him, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Verse 37, John 6, 37 says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Oh, y'all, the best news you could hear today is that God loves you. I know it's basic. I know it's basic. And I know you see it all the time. You hear it all the time. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believed shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's basic as basic can get. It's also as true as true can get. God in heaven loves you. When you see yourself as a son or a daughter of Christ, you know God's love. You've experienced God's love. The second thing you know about the Father, you know his love and you know his forgiveness. We see here in verses 22, I think it's 22, yes, but the Father said to his servants, quick, bring a robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and in found, so they began to celebrate. That, my friends, is forgiveness. When you see yourself and you, you are known in Christ as a son or a daughter, you know the Father's love and you know the Father's forgiveness. You see what happened in this story, right? The son come back, dad hugged him and kissed him, they had a big party. Let me tell you what was supposed to happen in this instance. Anytime a son left the family, which never happened, but if it did happen, they had a ceremony that they that they, they were supposed to do. It's called a kazaza ceremony. Everybody say kazaza. Kazaza ceremony. 
Well, the Kazaza ceremony is this. If the son took his inheritance, if he lost his inheritance, he lost the money, lost the possessions, and if he had the guts enough to come back home, they had a Kazaza ceremony. What the Kazaza ceremony is this. Everybody in the village, everybody in the neighborhood would all come together. This son would come back to the family, tuck his tail between his legs and come home. What they would do is the dad would have a piece of, have like a piece of pottery, a bowl. And in this bowl would be represented of the son's life. Because in this bowl would be the, um, symbolically would be the inheritance that the father gave to the son and that the son blew, that the son lost everything the dad gave him. And now he's come back home. The whole family would get together. Dad would get everybody together. He would take this bowl. He would hold it up above his head, and he would say this. He would say, son, I gave you everything I had, and you lost it. Then he would take this bowl and slam it to the ground. Of course, it would shatter to a thousand pieces. What that would signify is that the son has been cut off from the family. The son is no longer a son. This dad here had two sons, but now he has one because the younger brother has been cut off from the family. Everybody follow? That's what was supposed to happen, but that's not what happened, right? What happened? Dad saw him coming, and dad ran to the son. Dad ran to the son, and this time, old Jewish men did not run. They did not run. It was against Jewish law for them to run. Why was it against Jewish law for them to run? Because, you know, the the cloaks that they wear, the long Coats, dress, almost like things. You've seen pictures in movies of the the clothes that they wear. For the dad to run, he would have to pull up the bottom of his cloak so that he could run and not trip over it. Ladies, you ever try to run it in a long dress? You know what I'm talking about. I don't know. I've never been there, but you know what I'm talking about. He tried to pull up his cloak. He had to pull up his cloak. When he pulled up his cloak, he would show his feet He would show his ankles, and he would show the bottom of his legs. That was against Jewish law for an older Jewish man to show his feet, his ankles, and his legs. So what do we have here? We have a son who should be getting cut off from the family, but we have a dad showing his feet, showing his legs, and showing his ankle. So once the whole neighborhood come together, guess who they were talking about? They weren't worried about the son anymore. They were like, can you believe that dad? Can you believe that dad would do that for the son? Can you believe that dad would take the place of the son? The son's the one that should be getting cut off. But what you have is a dad breaking the law, showing his feet, ankles, and legs so that he could run and get to his son. So that he could put himself in between the kazaza ceremony, in between the neighborhood and the son. He hugged him and kissed him to cover him up. My friends today, that is a clear picture of what forgiveness does for you and me because you and I are the ones that should be cut off from the family. We are the ones that have have lost everything in our life, that have blown our inheritance, that have filled with sin and have run away from the family. And when we come to the Father, he has every right to cut us off 
But what does he do? What does he do? Oh, y'all. He doesn't just come to us. He runs to us. He puts his arms around us. He hugs us. He takes our place. He does what should have been us. The cross should have been ours. Kazaza should have been ours. The nails should have been ours. The death should have been ours. The blood should have been ours. But dad takes our place through forgiveness. Once you know the father, once you know the father, once you've experienced forgiveness, then there's no other option than to live for the Lord. There's no other option than to serve God out of devotion because of everything that God has done for you through forgiveness. I have my buddies all the time. They ask me, say, what is it about church that you love so much? Why is it that you want to be a preacher? Why is it that you love God? And what is it? I said, buddies, you just don't know. You haven't been forgiven of your sins. You don't know. You haven't been set free from a lifelong sin. You don't know until you've experienced forgiveness for yourself. Somebody talk to me. Who in the house this morning has been set free from a sin? Who in the house this morning can say, that's me. I used to be doing A, B, C, and D, but now I do E, F, and G. I know what it's like to experience the forgiveness, to experience the forgiveness of God the Father. Somebody talk to me. Somebody say, yes, that's me. You're a son and you're a daughter. If you've experienced forgiveness, there's no other option but to serve God out of devotion because of everything that he's done for you. There's a story later on in John chapter 6 where some of the disciples, some of the people following Jesus, left Jesus. And Jesus asked Peter, said, are you going to leave too? Peter says, no. So where else would we go? Where else would we go? We have come to believe that you have the words of eternal life. Nobody else can do for us what you can do for us. Can I encourage you today? If you've never experienced forgiveness in Christ, nobody else can do for you what God can do for you. Nobody else can forgive what needs to be forgiven. Nobody else can break addiction like God can break addiction. Nobody else can start a new life in you like God can start a new life in you. Are you going to leave too, Peter, or Jesus asked Peter, where else would I go? Nobody can do me like the Lord does. Nobody loves me like the Lord. Nobody forgives me like the Lord. When you are a son or daughter, when you view yourself, when you've accepted your position in the family, you know the Father's love. Number two, you know the Father's forgiveness. And number three, you have fellowship with the Father and the family. You have fellowship with the Father and the family. You guys know the rest of that story, right? After they have the celebration, the older brother, the oldest son comes to the dad, and he's like, dad, hold up. Something's not right here. Like, he blew all his money. He wanted you to die. He took his inheritance. He lost it all. He was hanging out with the pigs, for crying out loud. He was hanging out in the slop with the pigs. 
And the fact that he come back home, you're going to give him a ring, a robe, sandals, have a party and kill the fattened calf and have a party? The oldest son said, you've never even given me a goat to celebrate with my family. You know what dad says? You remember? Dad says, son, you've always been with me. Everything that I have is yours. That oldest son didn't know it, but he was playing with a squirt bottle when he had the entire Atlantic Ocean behind him because he was serving dad out of duty, not out of devotion. Does that make sense? You see it? He didn't see himself as a son of the father. He saw himself as a servant of the father. He even says, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Dad said, son, you missed it. You missed it. Your brother, who was at one time dead and lost, is now alive and has now been found. That's why we celebrate. The older brother didn't get anything that the, young, the younger brother didn't get anything that the older brother didn't have access to. The only difference was he didn't know he had access to it. He had a squirt bottle and completely missed out on the Atlantic Ocean. I want to challenge you and encourage you today. Who are you? Do you see yourself? Do you know that you are a son or a daughter of the king? You need forgiveness in your life? Guess what? You got it. You need love today? You got it. You need direction? You need hope? You need peace? You got it. The Father says, everything that I have is yours. The question for us is, are we hanging out, having a good time with our squirt bottle, or do we know that the entire Atlantic Ocean is behind us? I read a story some time ago. Of a, uh, of a college freshman, 18 years old, uh, just left home, went to college. Anybody remember those days? I remember those days. Great days. I had a full head of hair. Uh, I, had, uh, I had spiky hair, like, like it spiked up in the front. I'm trying to think what to compare it to. Like, huh? No, 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 no. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Like this part here was all pushed straight down, and then the front stuck straight up. People used to tell me I look like I stuck my head out of the car on the way to school in the morning because uh, this the hair in the front was stuck up. You guys remember? Jeff, you remember? Before, before 18? Yeah, I went far behind. Um, I read a story about a college kid. He got to school. He got uh, kind, of, kind of off track. Um, in the story, he says, he admits himself, uh, he stopped hanging around his normal friends. He met some new friends. He started hitting up some parties on campus. Um, he stopped going to church. He let go of his Christian friends, uh, made new friends, stopped, uh, started going to parties, got late on his schoolwork, uh, eventually got on academic probation because he was staying up all night, having a good time, and not paying attention to what he was supposed to be doing while he was at college. The guy, the college kid says in his own words, I was in over my head and had no way to get out. So one morning he calls his dad 
He tells dad everything that's been happening. Tells dad about the parties, about the school, about the church, everything. He unloads, tells dad absolutely everything. You know what dad told him? Dad told him three words. Anybody want to guess what the three words were? Suck it up. No. (laughs) That may have been what my dad was saying. He didn't say suck it up. He didn't say I love you, son. Dad said these three words. Just come home. Just come home. My friends, let me tell you today. If you find yourself in a far off country, if you find yourself in the midst of wild living away from the Lord, just come home. The Father's looking for you. Dad's waiting on you. Dad's concerned about you. Dad loves you. Dad will take you back home. Dad will forgive you. And dad will be with you forever and ever. Just come home. You are a son and daughter in Christ. Dad has the entire Atlantic Ocean for you. Let's put down the squirt bottles. Let's accept our position in God's family. And let God live his life through us here on this place. Amen. Let's stand together. <coughs> Alex, what song you got? Amazing Grace. Like the new one or the old one? It is still, it's still old. Ten years. All right, let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come back home. God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for believers everywhere. If we find ourselves in a far-off country, or we find ourselves away from you, we find ourselves living outside of your will, God, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds and call us back home. God, we can come to you with no fear. We can come to you with no worry because you love us. God, I pray that we will find ourselves in you. I pray that we will find ourselves as your sons and your daughters today. Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.